Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. I am Michael J. Sutton. This is episode 23 of Freedom from Fear. Does this apply to me? What you will find in life is that equality is a rare quality. Indeed, it is endangered and likely to go extinct. In Australia, for example, most government programs are based on the principle of discrimination. People who save money are penalised, and those who spend everything are rewarded with special benefits. Even many people who do not engage in tax fraud to cover their assets and wealth are excluded from a vast array of government benefits, while the people who do engage in tax fraud are welcomed by the state with open arms. This is all done in the name of social justice, which is otherwise known as democratic politics. Democracy is effectively a reward system for the party faithful. After an election, the followers of the winning party are rewarded financially, and those whose party did not win are excluded financially. The national funds are then distributed to the vested interests over the tenure of the party's reign with impunity. We call this pork barrelling, but it is in fact corruption. It means equality is repudiated in favour of vested interests. This is not the way to run a nation, but for those who do not understand democracy, it is a simple explanation. The question that any loser to an election must ask is, does this apply to me? The answer will be, no it doesn't. You get nothing. The question, does it apply to me, is also a question many ask when it comes to the Bible. There are two aspects here. The first is no, and the second is yes. Let me explain. We must take care when reading the Bible, especially the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. It has proved perilous for many who do not read it carefully. The context is always important. We need to read the text and see to whom God is speaking, who is the recipient of God's promises, the nature of these promises, and the position of these conversations in the light of the whole course of God's revelation. Some people open the Bible at some obscure passage and find a phrase like, And God said, go up. And then think that this means that we are to go up and find a mountain, and then live up there and buy a house and raise a family on that mountain and spread the gospel to the people on that mountain. All these important life decisions were based on reading a phrase in the Bible that said, And God said, go up. In the context, God said something different. He told Israel to go up and fight their enemies in battle. That verse said nothing about the choices we need to make in life. It is an example of taking the Bible out of context, which is what we should strive to avoid. When we read the Hebrew Bible, especially the narrative books, they are the history books, we need to ask the question, does this apply to me? If not, then that's fine. There are at least five other questions we can ask of any passage. 1. What is going on in this passage? 2. What does this passage tell me about who God is and what he is like? 
3. What does this passage tell me about me? And what am I like? 4. What is the context of this passage in the chapter or the book? In other words, how does this verse of Scripture or this section of Scripture fit into the chapter or the book in terms of themes and ideas? Finally, fifth, how does this text point to the coming of the Messiah and the fulfillment of God's promises to his people, Israel? These were the questions going through the mind of a man who long ago asked about a passage he was reading from the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. He asked the question that many of us ask today when we read the Bible. Does this apply to me? It was a good question. This is the right question to ask. He was reading the Bible sensibly, and we can thank God for it, and we can read about this encounter in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Luke records, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south of the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Osotus and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I don't know what leaps out at you when you heard me read this passage, but three things leapt out at me. The first is that Philip does not meet a white man. He meets an African, an Ethiopian, a man whose skin colour has excluded him from the Western Church for centuries. This man is reading the Hebrew Bible and was most likely a convert to Judaism as he had come from Jerusalem. While my white ancestors were running around in blue paint naked, confused and illiterate around the time of the Roman invasion of Britain, the Ethiopian culture was highly civilised 
cultured and elegant. This means that the imperialist rhetoric and ideology of Christian fascism is not only false, that of the civilised white man, but the Bible they pretend to believe in exposes their fraud. It always has. This passage also repudiates the entire tome of racist bile produced by Charles Darwin and his survival of the fittest ideology. He was not only a plagiarist, but his theory of evolution with the white man at the top of humanity is complete rubbish. So are the Germanic myths that were the heart of fascism and which remain the beating heart of Christian nationalism, the fictitious fantasy land of a Christian past. Philip stumbled upon an African man reading the Hebrew scriptures. Does this apply to me? he asks, and Philip pays no attention to his skin colour. It is not even remarked upon. The legacy of white supremacy is that for a thousand years skin colour meant exclusion and separation in Europe. In many churches and seminaries around the world, Skin colour still does. But for God it doesn't. All are welcome in the kingdom of God, even white people, even Americans. The apostles were colourblind, and arguably most were in those days long ago. Multi-ethnic societies are not a recent creation. Racism is the West's great infamous legacy. I read recently that one famous Christian evangelist was also a great defender of slavery and a slave owner. The books I had on his background had hitherto whitewashed that part of his biography. This means that his message of salvation was only for white people. That is not the gospel. It is not the teaching of Christ, nor is it found in the scriptures. All are welcome. Those Christians who look down on people of colour are not Christians. They never were, and never will be. Christian nationalists, Christian fascists, are not Christians. The second thing that leaps out at me is that he was a eunuch. This means that he was officially castrated for his office in the palace, as was common in those days across the world in ancient times. Being in this position was one of exclusion. In the Jewish faith, he was excluded by virtue of his status from the full benefits of membership in God's people. Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 says that no eunuch may enter the temple of Jerusalem. The fact that this man looked to understand God in a faith that could not accept him fully showed an unusual degree of earnestness He truly looked for understanding. But he was not without hope, and this was probably not his problem. Let me explain. The Hebrew Bible had several promises about a time in the future when eunuchs would be welcome as full members of God's people. I can assume that this man, had he read the scriptures, would have been familiar with these promises. For example, in Isaiah 56, the very scroll he was reading on his chariot, the prophet said, My salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Chapter 56, verse 1. 
He went on to say, Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. Isaiah 56.3 The Lord, which is Yahweh, the Ancient of Days, says through Isaiah these amazing words of promise in chapter 56, verses 4 to 7. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than children. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. There was therefore an understanding for this man that Yahweh's promise was for full inclusion in the people of God. He looked forward to it, not just looking for the Messiah, as did the Jews, but for the excitement of being fully embraced by God. The third thing that leaps out at me is the natural way Philip and the man talk about the good news of Jesus and his simple baptism in the river. Philip meets the man where he is. He is reading the Bible and he does not understand it. Philip explains that Isaiah is not speaking of himself, but the Messiah, Jesus. He was the Lamb of God, led to the slaughter, sacrificed for the sin of the world. His death was one of injustice and humiliation, but in that death he achieved the purpose of God, which was to become sin, to become the scapegoat for our sin, so that all who trust in him have eternal life. The text simply reads, Then Philip began with that passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He started with Isaiah and moved on to other parts of the Hebrew Bible that spoke of the Messiah. Philip does not talk about the church or a building or a tradition, but about Jesus. This is the good news, because the good news is about Jesus. The most remarkable and moving part of this encounter is his immediate desire to be baptised. And in this we see the Ethiopian finding some water and Philip baptising him there. Curiously, it is not public and there is no one to see it, which suggests it does not really matter. But Jesus said, if two or three are together, I am in your midst. Matthew 18.20 This is a blessing. So does the salvation of God apply to all? Yes, it does. Even to a white man. Even an American. The ancient promises of the prophets told of a time when salvation would be open to all who believe and that all would be included, welcomed and accepted without reservation. The good news is not good news about the church or a building or a denomination or a creed, but about Jesus. It is all about Jesus, who he is, what he has done, 
and our relationship with him. Does it apply to me? Yes, it does, to all of us, without reservation. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please join me tomorrow for another episode of Freedom from Fear.